This is Cruise Radio. This podcast is brought to you by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get your next quote at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. A review of Carnival Triumph on this week's episode. Also, some of your listener questions and Cherry Kennedy with Cruise News. Don't forget about Cruise Radio News. It's our Facebook group. A lot of opinions in there, and I like it. Keep them coming. Just keep the politics out of there, please. All right, Sherry, what's up? Hey, Doug. Norwegian Cruise Line just detailed the upcoming Norwegian Bliss. What do we know about this new ship that'll soon be sailing Alaska? Well, they've kept a pretty tight fist on everything up until now. And then there was a big release the other day in Las Vegas. And uh, mainly people are interested in the food, right? We all want the food. So what's not going to be on the Bliss, we'll start with what's not there, is O'Shehan's Bar and Grill. Mm-hmm. Um, and also gone is Moderno. It was the Churrascaria, the Brazilian steakhouse. Mm-hmm. So taking the place of O'Shehan's is going to be a, a restaurant called the Local Bar and Grill. And taking the place of Moderno is Los Lobos, which is the same Mexican restaurant that was put on the Norwegian Dawn in 2016. But uh, a quick rundown, really, also, they're going to have, uh, on. they call the Ocean Places 678 Ocean Place, which is outdoor waterfront promenade. And uh, on there, you're going to find the Sugarcane Mojito Bar, Ocean Blue, and La Cucina, which is Norwegian's Italian restaurant. Um, And then on the top level of 678 Ocean Place, there's going to be a district brew house and food republic, and that's also on the Norwegian Escape. Next to the brew house is the Food Republic, and that's going to feature a selection of tapas. And also new, a name for Andy Stewart, is the A-List Bar, and they're going to be making handcrafted cocktails, which, of course, seems to be the thing these days. And then, this is kind of neat. I'm looking forward to this. It's called Q, and it's kind of an oxymoron. It's an upscale Texas-style barbecue joint. It'll have live music on its own stage, so that should be kind of fun. And then, of course, what everyone's been waiting for is news about the go-kart, and they're going to have a, a, a split-level go-kart racetrack, which is similar to what they have on the Norwegian Joy, um, and also an open-air laser tag room. And for those that uh, can't go without their Starbucks, yes, there will be a Starbucks in the atrium. I'm curious how this whole go-kart thing is going to work with a ship being in Alaska. Yeah, they are. In fact, uh, they're going to be piping the sound in so as not to disturb you know, the pristine surroundings. When you sit in the seat in the go-kart, the sound will come in through the, the headrest behind you. So you think like you're revving up the engine, but it's really just the sound in, in the speakers. Yeah, we can't be scaring the bald eagles and the orcas. That's for sure. Yeah. Or you don't want to start a, an avalanche, a glacier calving. Royal Caribbean just named their upcoming ship. What do we have? Well, they named it the Spectrum of the Seas. I think we speculated on that a long time ago, maybe last month or so when we were talking about it. Yeah, they cut the steel and confirmed the name of their new Quantum Ultra-class ship, and it is the Spectrum of the Seas. It'll have 4,180 passengers. This will be the fourth Quantum-class ship, and it's scheduled to debut in 2019. And again, it's going over to China. Over the weekend, a Carnival ship missed a port because of a propulsion issue. What happened? 
Well, after experiencing engine trouble on just a regular seven-night Western Caribbean cruise, Carnival Dream skipped a port on Friday and had to return directly to its home port in New Orleans. And a statement came from the cruise line, and it said, of course, all the other systems were functioning properly, but the ship was forced to sail back at reduced speeds, and they had to cut Cozumel from the itinerary. So that's kind of sad if you look forward to going there. But Carnival has since confirmed the problem was fixed. The ship arrived in New Orleans on time and is heading out for its next cruise. Passengers did receive $50 in onboard credit for their inconvenience. So that's nice. This next story is interesting. The Bahamas wants cruisers to spend more money. Yeah, it's all about the money this week, I think. And the Minister of Tourism is upset, and he's looking for more ways to extract more money from cruisers, basically, is how it comes out. Um, he's upset because he feels the cruise lines make all the money, and the, the Bahamians are getting nothing out of it. Um, it was reported that this little conversation arose due to complaints allegedly made by local businesses, and they're unhappy because shore excursion desks on the ship, you know, they always recommend passengers go to this store or that store, and they get a little trinket, they get this and that. And some of the Bahamian-owned businesses that haven't contracted with the cruise lines are losing money. So he wants to renegotiate and, and get local businesses to be happy again and have passengers spend more money on non-recommended stores. You know, I said this in the Facebook group earlier this week when the story came out. Clean the streets, get more police presence, and give us a reason to get off the actual cruise ship because no one wants to. Yeah, I know. So many people don't go ashore anymore. And I really used to always, used to always, terrible English. <laughs> I used to always love Nassau. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's a quick jaunt. It, before they built that uh, crazy shopping mall right there at the port where you have to funnel through two by two. Um, and I love Nassau, and I don't want to say anything bad about it, but everything you said is true. Well, and uh, it really does need it. You know, the safety issue has been on people's minds, and uh, yeah, there's just some things that have to change, and hopefully they can come to um, an agreement. This next story is interesting. A class action cruise lawsuit in effect that could get you up to $900. What's the details on this? The lawsuit goes that if you received a call between July 2009 and March 2014 that offered you a free cruise with Carnival, Royal, or Norwegian, and the call came from a resort marketing group. Um, they're saying you may be entitled to some cash. There's a ca class action suit has been filed um, for violating the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. Uh, apparently, claims can range from $300 to $900. You can find the link online to see if your phone number um, is included, and you'll probably have that on your website, I'm sure, right? Yeah, wherever you're listening to this show, just open the show notes there, and I'll put a linkable URL to check your phone number to see if you can win some money or get money or whatever. It's an interesting uh, phenomenon, and you know, you put your phone number on the do not call list, and guess what? You still get phone calls. We have two listener questions. Are you up for them? I am. All right, the uh, first one's from Diane in Fargo. She says, is it possible to share a Wi-Fi package among friends? The packages on NCL are pretty pricey. Well, Diane has a great question, and it even took us a few minutes to make sure that we had the correct information. And uh, the answer basically is yes, you can. Um, you can purchase a package. Uh, you can split the cost. But, again, only one person 
can be online at one time. So unless you have a deadline to meet with posting something or, or whatever, you can share the package. Doug, you've done that before. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I was on a sailing a couple of years ago where a group of us shared an internet package because we only we made an agreement where we're only going to go online to check our email. So we just kind of bought a package and rotated one password around the group of us, and it worked out well. I mean, If your time is limited and everybody has to be very considerate of the other person and not... Mm-hmm you know, budging on their time. Yeah, totally. Next question is from Heather Milwaukee. How does the disembarkation process work with getting back to the airport? Before the cruise, we're flying in a day early and catching our hotel shuttle to the port. Getting back to the airport is throwing us off. Well, it really shouldn't be that difficult, Heather. Um, Yeah, you'll catch the hotel shuttle to the port, and that's pretty easy. Just have to let them know downstairs, you know, what time you're... um, you know, embarkation for you specifically is, and they'll have, they keep cycling through. But after your cruise, basically, um, if you don't buy the cruise lines um, shuttle to the airport from the port, then you're basically on your own with either Lyft or Uber or a regular taxi, which can get pretty expensive. I always find it cheaper to do an Uber and just do a split fare once you get into the Uber so everybody can split it up evenly because the cruise line transfers are like 30 40 or 50 bucks per person. It's ridiculous. I used Uber in uh, the Brooklyn cruise terminal too, yeah. to get to uh, Union Station in New York. I love me some Uber. And Lyft. I'm going to try yeah. Lyft pretty soon. All right. Well, that'll do it. We've been talking with Sherry Kennedy from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. You're listening to Cruise Radio, part of the iHeartRadio Talk Network. From its rich heritage, picturesque beaches, and unparalleled blue waters, it's no wonder over 7 million people cruise to the Caribbean every year. What do you want to do? Swim with stingrays at Stingray Bay? Go for an island tour? Take a beach break? Or set sail on a catamaran to spend the day snorkeling? Whatever you decide, CruisingExcursions.com has a shore excursion to fit your budget. Cruising Excursions knows your time on the island is limited and that you want to make the most of your day. That's why they have shore excursions up to 60% cheaper than the cruise lines and offer smaller, more personable tours. Find out for yourself. Research and book your next shore excursion at CruisingExcursions.com. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Want more Cruise Radio? Find a library of over 400 episodes on iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. Keith and his family just returned from a five-night cruise on Carnival Triumph out of New Orleans. Hey, Keith. Hey, Doug. So it was you and the family who did this cruise out of New Orleans. So before we get to the ship, as always, we'll take a couple steps back. What made you want to sail Triumph out of New uh, New Orleans? Well, I tell you, um, I'm a huge Disney World fan and never thought I would make a depart from that. But, um, you know, hearing a lot about cruising, I thought, you know, let's give that a try and talk to over my wife. And we decided to spend a spring break on a ship somewhere and um, living in northeast Arkansas. uh, New Orleans was the closest uh, cruise port to us, and they 
had a ship leaving out during our spring break, and so it was perfect. We decided to give it a try. How far is that drive from Arkansas? It took us about seven hours, mm-hmm. but it is an, the easiest drive. But, it, you know, it was, it was a nice drive. You know, we could make it down in one, one easy trip, so... I want to ask you, because you're a cruise newbie, so how was the planning process for you up until embarkation day? You know, it was different because, as I mentioned, I'm a Disney World person and I'm a planning nut. And so, you know, I like to know what's happening every minute of every day, even if we're flexible with that. And, and it was difficult to do that with the cruise. And, you know, there's so many options. And, you know, we started out not even knowing what cruise line. We were originally drawn to Disney Cruise until we did some price checking and we discovered that wasn't a good choice for us for a <laughs> first cruise anyway. And so we ended up on carnival and, you know, had some apprehensions about that because you hear good and bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I tell you, we couldn't have been happier cool. uh, making that choice. But the planning was just a matter of, you know, I read everything I could on cruise critic and I was on message boards and uh, very active there. Just I found that I researched for the cruise the same way I researched for Disney. So you make your way down to New Orleans. Was parking expensive there? We did some research there, and um, we ended up parking at the terminal. Uh, mm-hmm. Put it in GPS and took us right there. Parking was twenty bucks a day, and there was parking offsite that I think was five or six dollars cheaper. But um, you know, we just decided I just just pay there at the terminal. It was super easy uh, just to get in and get out, and. Um, and so we, that's where we were, at the terminal parking. I know you don't have anything to compare it to, but you bought faster to the fun. How was that experience? I was glad that we did. When I was doing my pre-check online, I, I was able to get a 1030 check-in time for the mm-hmm. cruise. And so I thought, hey, that's great. We'll be on the ship early in the morning. And then I started doing some more research, and I discovered that check-in time wasn't necessarily board time. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a while to figure that out. But once I did, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do this faster to the fun because if it gets us on the ship quicker, and, you know, I was glad that we did. Um, we kept that 10.30 check-in time. We got to the port. Uh, we parked, and we were through the process and setting in the faster-to-the-fun chairs um, by 11.30. Mm-hmm. And um, the lady that was there kind of helping feed everyone came right over and filled us, and she said, hey, we're ahead of schedule. We're going to start boarding, I guess, Diamond and special guests at about 11.45, and then you guys will be next. And so we were... You know, I, by 11.45, we were walking onto the ship. So, you know, so that process was, was great. And I, I guess that, you know, faster the fun is what made that possible. So it's, as well as, of course, having our room ready when we got on the boat. Once you got to the Julia Street Cruise Terminal there in New Orleans, what would you say from gangway to ship? How long was that? We were parking at probably 10.30, 10.35. And mm-hmm. so, because I remember looking at my watch and we were on the ship before 12. So I, I don't know if that's good or not. We sat in the lobby maybe for 10 or 15 minutes waiting to board, but you know, it didn't seem long to us. But of course, we don't have a lot of experience with right. that. So. so you're finally on board the ship. What were your first impressions? You know, I'd done as much research as I could, and, and I knew that carnival ships kind of had this reputation for being kind of kind of deco or mm-hmm. kind of gaudy. And, and I would say that was definitely our kind of our first impression and that that entryway there and i think that's deck three it took us the whole trip to kind of learn the deck plan but (laughs) but um but you know that's not a very big lobby there and and being first cruisers we just didn't really know what to do and Mm -hmm. you know i was surprised as we entered that lobby rather than having somebody there to greet you and kind of say hey you know what you're doing can we help you find where to go our first greeting was 
would you like to buy a lanyard? Now, oh now we wanted to buy lanyards, so I guess that was good. But, uh, you know, we were a little surprised by that, actually. And so it kind of kind of took us back. But, you know, the lobby was, you know, the ship itself was interesting. You know, the decor, it seemed a little dated. But, hey, you know, we were there to have a good time. And so and so it was fine. Yeah. So I got to ask you, what did you do when you first got on board? We wanted to find a room. Of course, my mother-in-law has mobility challenges, and mm-hmm. so she had ordered, um, you know, the little scooter. She yeah. ordered a scooter, and and to, we wanted to see if it had been delivered. And so she was in a wheelchair, and we were pushing her. She can walk some, but you know, she has some issues. And she also has oxygen at night, and so she has one of those, not oxygen tanks, but one of those oxygen uh, condensers. And so we weren't allowed to check that. And so we didn't want to have to push that around. That was another reason for doing Faster to the Fun. And so we wanted to find a room. And, mm-hmm. and since there was no one there to help, we just made our way to deck two and started looking through halls <laughs> until we found a room. And sure enough, it was, it was available when we got there. And, you know, I was, I was worried, Doug, about the size of the rooms. But we were very, very pleasantly surprised. I know your rooms were adjoining, but what kind of rooms did you get? We were on deck two, and we did have adjoining rooms, and it was it was an ocean, both of them were ocean view, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you walk in, and, and immediately there was, is this tiny little hallway to get, actually get into the room, and I thought, oh no, but once you get past that, I mean, we had, in one of the rooms, we kept the beds separated, and the other, my wife and I, we had ours pushed together, but there was a full couch in there, and I just with all of the storage, I just I felt like there was plenty, you know, plenty room for the amount of time that we spent in the room, and you know, even with that adjoining room having that door open all the time, it just it it was great having extra bathroom, you know. And, and I was concerned, thinking would we regret not getting a balcony? But you know, I don't I don't know if you have kids or not, but I have two boys and a girl that's just as active as they are, and <laughs> the thought of a balcony kind of gave me shivers. You know, you don't hear much of the people going overboard, but I was just envisioning my mom hearing about somebody going overboard in a carnival ship in the middle of the uh, Gulf of Mexico. So (laughs) we we just couldn't do it. So we did the um, ocean view, and I'll tell you, it was a huge window, and we didn't miss it. Uh, We didn't miss it at all. We could see... I'm sure we could see everything the people on the balconies could see. We just didn't have to worry about our kids going over the edge. I want to talk about the food on this ship. So uh, we'll start at the top of the Lido deck area and work our way out from there. So what do you think of the buffet area? Crowded? I don't know if that's a good description or not, but, uh, you know, I'll be honest. Uh, when we got on the ship and by the time we found our rooms and we made it upstairs, it was, you know, it was nearly one o'clock and it was, it was crowded. And um, we did have... You know, lunch on the Lido deck on the buffet that day, and um, it was good. You know, not anything to write home about, but really, it, that was the only time that embarkation day was, I think, the only time I personally had lunch on the buffet, and it was okay. My kids wanted to try the the guy's burger, mm-hmm. and uh, we did that once or twice throughout the um, throughout the cruise as well. I'm not a huge burger person, so I'm not the person to ask, honestly, and People will laugh, but if you want to know what my favorite hamburger is, it's just a plain cheeseburger from McDonald's. <laughs> I don't like all of the big, you know, the the beef on it, but my my son loved it, and you know, it was good. I enjoyed the toppings more than more than the burger. We didn't really do much of the others. I don't think we did blue iguana at all hmm. on the trip. It just didn't work out yeah. for us to do that. I think one day I was at an art auction and missed. We only had two sea days, and so. Um, we were doing other things, and cool. we just missed out up there, I guess. Let's talk about the main dining room. What time dining did you have? 
We did the six o'clock and we were seated in the upper London and it took us a couple of days to figure out how to get there. The ship has this strange, no pass through zone. And it took us a while to kind of <laughs> figure out how all that yeah. worked. But, but we ate in the main, the main dining room every night, obviously, because we weren't up in the Lido deck, but, um, we loved it. I mean, just, it was an opportunity for us to try things that we don't normally get at home. Our wait staff was incredible. You know, I, you hear about that and, but these guys were funny and, and they knew what you wanted. We did the soda package. And so they always had um, our drinks on the table waiting for us when we got there. And I made the mistake on the first night of ordering two entrees. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that every night after that, when I would order, my waiter would always say, and what else? <laughs> so I ended up ordering two entrees every night. And, you know, some nights I ate all or part of both of them. There were a couple nights I didn't like any of it. But, mm -hmm. you know, we really enjoyed dinner in the, in the London dining room. You mentioned in the talking points that your mother-in-law had some dietary restrictions. How was Carnival uh, in dealing with that? I guess I was more concerned about that than she was. She's also the type that doesn't like anyone to make a fuss over her mm -hmm. she would i guess she would rather inconvenience herself than think that she's inconveniencing anyone else and so she never actually spoke to them about that and so she but she was able to i, I don't know I, i'm sure you've traveled on carnival enough to know that the food is not incredibly spicy i mean mm -hmm. and so there was plenty of things on there that were fine for her she didn't have any problems any at any point during any meal so what about um as far as your kids you have three kids uh do they like the menu in the main dining room for the most part the first night i think they all ordered off the kids menu mm -hmm. but after that my six-year-old daughter she turned six on the cruise cool. by the way that's another thing that we did the room just as a side note here we did the room decoration mm -hmm. they're supposed to decorate your room and have a cake in there I would not recommend that. No. It took them, it seemed like, all day to get the room decorated. We would come back, and there would be something else in there. The cake didn't even come until late that evening. But, but anyway, but my daughter and my middle son, on the second night, they ordered steak. And then for the next three nights, they ordered steaks. <laughs> they don't, we don't eat steak at home every night, but they ate steak every night on the ship. And so they liked it. Um, they're not adventurous eaters, but there was plenty on there for them to eat. And the dessert, of course, you know, it was always just a means to get to the molten chocolate cake for them. Yeah. So, <laughs> the uh, I want to ask you, because I noticed this is kind of changing on some of Carnival ships. Uh, how formal is the formal night on board? Not formal, I guess, would be the easiest. I mean, there were people there that were very dressed up. And I was concerned about that because we're just not dressy people. And and so I looked around on message boards, and we ended up just doing, you know, I had a pair of slacks, and I think my wife wore a dress, and the kids were, uh, the kids didn't wear shorts that night, but it was not, I, it was certainly not formal. Um, it was very, very relaxed, and I didn't see anyone in shorts, but I wouldn't have been surprised to have seen them. Yeah. Uh, I want to switch gears here and talk about the entertainment on board Carnival Triumph. As we mentioned earlier, you're a first-time cruiser and to uh, Carnival Cruise Line. So what did you and your family think of the entertainment? First of all, we had that 6 o'clock dining, and that's one thing that I was – you kind of messed up the entertainment, I suppose, because everything entertainment-wise seemed to start at 7. Mm -hmm. So what we found ourselves doing is we would catch the end of the first show, and then we'd have to go back later to see the first half if we wanted to. But, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't do all of the entertainment. Uh, I think on the first sea night there was some sort of a – world show and I'll, I'll keep my wife and I are, are theater people my wife's degree is in theater and 
And that's how we met. And maybe we're hypercritical, but we were not really impressed with the dance show the first night. And it just wasn't great. Um, on other nights, they brought in a magician. And um, the magician, on the other hand, was phenomenal. I mean, my kids loved it. They went to the first show, and then we went back and saw the same show again. And ironically enough, I think he had the same dancers from the ship in his show, and it was completely different. It, it was just, it was great. We we see magic shows anywhere we go, and and the, we loved that. The comedians, my kids liked them. Now, of course, we only did the early shows, and there were two different comedians on board, and we went and saw one, my son and I did, and, and really, he just laughed the whole time. He was a little bit more political than I was comfortable with mm-hmm. um, because, we, you know, we didn't lean the same way politically, obviously. But um, then we went and saw the other one on another night. And a kid, my kids loved it. But she was, I almost felt like with the other comedian, it was almost like um, I was being scolded by my grandma. Oh, <laughs> and that's, that's not really a good thing. And my wife and I were just kind of looking at each other. But, you know, it's a comedy show and. My son loved the first one, so we were way down front. And, you know, you don't get up and walk out during a comedy show. (laughs) (laughs) So we just kind of, we kind of endured it. But I think my wife and I both agreed that that wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really our thing. At one point, she brought a little boy up on stage because he didn't say yes, ma'am, to her. And just, I, I felt horrible for him and his parents but but anyway my my kids loved it but you know the cost so the comedy was okay there was another show at some point later in the week and we just we didn't make it so the comedians were great or were okay the magician was great the stage show hmm, i could leave it okay fair enough uh, what did you think about the dr seuss breakfast it was okay you know it was fun food and we got to take some really good pictures I don't know what we expected. They had an ice sculpture of Dr. Seuss, but the service wasn't great that morning. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that just could have just been that particular time, but the kids really liked it. I don't know. It was not very expensive. I think it was only $5 extra for that. And so we would probably do it again just because it was a fun way to have breakfast. But um, it was, it was just, it was just different, I guess. Your kids are, what, from like 6 to 12? Is that what it said there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Was the 6 and 8-year-old, were they like, oh, wow, cat in the hat? The thing was, they didn't really do a lot. They served your breakfast, and then there's a staircase that leads down into the lower London, which is where it was at. And the only interaction you had was the characters came down the stairs, and they stood there for you to get up and go take a picture with them. You know, <laughs> gotcha. I think we were kind of thought that they would roam through the restaurant and take mm-hmm. pictures and interact. But there really wasn't any of that type of interaction. It's definitely not like, uh, what's that restaurant with the character interaction at Disney World in the Contemporary? Which one is that? Oh, yeah, it's Chef Mickey. Chef no, Mickey, it, there you go. It's not Chef Mickey. Yeah. <laughs> now, they did, yeah, they had us waving our napkins in the main dining room at night, mm-hmm. but... Uh, uh, you know, but uh, that was those were funner shows than than the Doctor Seuss Breakfast. But it was fun, and we got some great pictures. What did your kids think about the kids' club? You know, I feel like I'm kind of being negative here. No, so you're being honest, though. Time. You're being honest, so you I know, like it. But our daughter, she's six, and she loved it. She would have stayed there every minute. We would let her be there. But on this sailing, I don't know if if it was because it was. I would have thought there would have been more kids, maybe. But um, I guess there were not as many kids as they would like, and so they actually combined the kids clubs from my daughter i think it was like from the three-year-olds all the way through my son who was 11 and through the 12 year olds they put them all in the same group mm-hmm. and so on the first night when we checked them in they all had a blast because they kind of let them play games and the computer and video games and they really they really had a good time but wanted to go back the next day so we checked them in the next afternoon 
And actually the next morning, and we went back to pick them up for lunch, and my two boys were like, we're not going back. <laughs> I'm like, why? Why Why don't you want to go back? He said, they're making us do all of this dancing. And, and so they. And so when we went back to check my daughter and I asked, I said, you know, my sons really liked it last night, but what's you know, they're, they're not, they, they really want to just play video games and that sort of thing. Are they able to do that? And she said, no, during the day, they keep all of the activities organized at dance parties and karaoke. And she said, essentially, we like to keep them moving. Mm-hmm. But if they come back to the night owls, which was after 10 o'clock, which was pay, she said, that's kind of free time and they can play video games or do whatever they want. So, so my, my boys didn't really go. Now my daughter paid my middle son five dollars to go with her again but <laughs> he only went with her one more time but she would go she went every day as a matter of fact we checked her in and we got her back at 10 o'clock at night you know when wow. it was time to pick her up so she loved it and they didn't if it had been separated into age categories and more age appropriate things maybe but you know my 11 year old isn't interested in the same thing my six-year-old daughter yeah. is so sure on this five-night sailing, you hit Cozumel and Progresso. Give us some highlights of each port. Well, again, not knowing what to expect, um, I'd done some research, and it seemed like there was more to just kind of on your own do in Cozumel than Progresso. So we decided that we were going to do a excursion in Progresso and just kind of hang loose in Cozumel, and that's what we did. Uh, my wife went to the shopping seminar on board and, of course, bought the $25 coupon book. And so when we got off in Cozumel, we had to hit every one of those stores to get the free charm. Mm-hmm. But that was okay. She enjoyed doing that. It was fun. And we had souvenirs to bring back to family. But it felt on the port. It just felt very touristy. And we had planned, uh, we had a family member who had been on the similar cruise a couple of years before, and they spent the day on Paradise Beach. Mm-hmm. So we made it to the end of the, uh, the cruise port there, got a taxi, took us right to Paradise Beach, and we spent the day there. And we had a we had a great time, just kind of hanging out, playing in the sand, playing in the water. They had the big inflatables that my sons, of course, had to do. Of course, when they actually got out there and had to hoist themselves up on to the um, to the inflatable stuff, it was a little bit more of a challenge. But they had a great time. And while we were there, we talked about doing something, you know, doing the parasailing or something like that. Everything's expensive, and I'll tell you, this is. This is just kind of a comical story to us, maybe to no one else. But about noon, you know, after I decided, no, 120 bucks was too much for parasailing. And, and you know, the ski dudes, that was just too much. Here comes this guy in a little boat pulling a banana boat. And, you know, I'd seen that on Three's Company years ago or <laughs> yeah. something like that. But we can afford the banana boat. So we all load up on this banana boat, and he starts pulling us out. And, and uh, we're having a great time, you know, jumping on the waves and, and he turns around, and I don't know what happened, but we lost our balance and off the wind. <laughs> well, all three of the kids are screaming. Now, this guy is very professional. I mean, this has happened, obviously, many times. I don't think the banana boat even passed us by, you know. He stopped that quickly, but my kids are screaming, oh, we're going to die, we're going to die. And my middle son is just sure that there's a shark circling us, you know, and about <laughs> to eat us. <laughs> but we get the kids back on the boat and my wife back up there, and then, I, you know, bless the guy's heart. I'm not small. You know, I, I'm a I'm a healthy guy here, and uh, he needed a winch in that boat to get me to get me back up on that banana boat. I when he took my fifteen dollars, I don't think he knew what he was getting in for. But um, he finally got us back up on there. And, you know, we thought this traumatized family surely it's just us on here. He's going to take us back. Nope, he passes Paradise Beach and keeps going <laughs> to finish our tour. And now we were just you know in clinches, but he pulled us back to the to the shore and. 
and eventually, and uh, I don't know, my kids said, we'll go back to the beach, but Dad, my daughter said, please, Daddy, please don't make us go in the banana boat again. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, whenever I do the banana boat, I hold on, for, I have white knuckles. I'm holding on so tight, and nothing is uh, pulling me off that thing, because I am so, aff- yeah. I'm like your kids, I'd be screaming if I fell, too. Talk uh, to us about Progresso. And Progresso, and this was the surprise for us, and you know, I, I've not actually ever heard you say anything negative about Progresso, but I've heard, heard you hint, and I'm online, there's not a lot of good reviews about Progresso, but my only other time out of out of the States was on a mission trip once to Africa, and I loved it. And when we got to Progresso, and um, I'll tell you, I immediately loved it as well, because it was very real. You know, after we passed through the little port shops there, we got onto that uh, onto that bus that actually takes you into Progresso. And I have to tell you, that bus ride is almost I can see how it freaks people out because I know they have these pylons piled up for the waves to keep the waves from washing the road away, but I felt kind of like I was traveling through a demilitarized zone to, <laughs> uh, to get into Progresso, and my wife and I were just kind of looking at each other. But we had actually planned a private excursion through Lawson's original Yucatan excursions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we went on TripAdvisor and found them and, and had incredible reviews. And, and sure enough, when we got to the Progresso station there, we got off of the bus. He was right there waiting. Our guide was Pepe, was his name, waiting there with a sign, and he was phenomenal. You know, when we got to Progresso, the I guess Auto Progresso must have a deal with a cruise line to carry everybody to their port because they also, also offer excursions. And they actually said they had one where we were going, and it was a lot less than we paid. And I kind of looked at my wife and thought, well, my goodness. You know, we paid a lot more than this, but when we got we got in this bus, and there was actually uh, my family of six, and then I said I was a school teacher, our school secretary and her family, and then another family in our uh, of, were actually on the same cruise, and so we all went on this excursion together. There were thirteen of us, and so we got on this um, got in this bus, and we had a driver and our tour guide, and Pepe was just amazing. I mean, I immediately, within 15 minutes, looked at my wife and said, that's what we paid for. And it was still far less than, you know, than the cruise line excursion. But he took us to the, uh, first of all, we went to a hacienda and just kind of little, did a little driving tour. And he told us the history of the hacienda. We got to get out and take some pictures. And he took us to um, the local tortilla factory where they made the tortillas. And we got to sample those. But then, um, then we went to the Ushmael Ruins. Mm-hmm. And uh, Doug, I don't know if you've gotten the opportunity to do that or not. But no, not yet. When we got there, we got there, and uh, of course, all of our admissions and everything were covered. We were started in, and you have to go up a hill, which my mother, I told you, has some mobility challenges. Mm-hmm. It was, this was kind of an interesting thing for her. But we, you know, we got her up the hill, and then at the top of this hill, immediately you see this eight-story pyramid, this Mayan pyramid, and it was just kind of like we just kind of stopped and. You know, my kids are very fortunate. When I was growing up, we vacationed, but it was just kind of locally. You know, we mm-hmm. went to, like, Branson, Missouri a lot because that was close to us. My kids have got to experience a lot more than that. But we're standing here looking at this Mayan pyramid, and I'm just in my life thinking, how lucky are we? Mm-hmm. You know, who gets yeah. to do this on a cool. Tuesday during spring break? Yeah. You know, and just to think that my kids got to experience this. And I thought I thought we were just going to see that pyramid, and that was it. But it wasn't. You know, Pepe took us, told us all about this and all these amazing things, and then he took us around behind it, and we got to climb on some ruins. And there was an entire, you know, an entire Mayan city that's back there and another pyramid. And you've got to go inside these structures and climb on it. It was just, Doug, it was so humbling yeah. to know that. 
just to be there. And I was just so grateful to be able to do that with my family and with my kids. And then as if that wasn't enough, you know, after we did that, he took us to what is called a cenote. And I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. We Mm. weren't. It was kind of a surprise to us. He described it as kind of like a sinkhole in a cave. And he, he stopped and we walked out and he said, you see those white rocks out there? Walk out there and go down. And we walked out there and there's literally a hole in the ground in the middle of this field. And we walked down these steps that had been constructed and it was crystal clear water. And it was like 70 degrees. It was just amazing. And again, it was just like, who does this? And, you know, and so I, I guess that's kind of what sold me on cruising. Mm-hmm. The, the cruise was great. But if I get to do things like this with my family, then my goodness, it's worth every dollar that we spend. And so, you know, I I loved it. And and I tell you, I told my wife, I said, I would come back and I want to come back to places like this. Mm -hmm. You know, the the beach day in Cozumel, that was fun. But this is a memory, you know. And and so, you know, I guess guess if you asked me or anyone in my family, what port do you you want to hit again? It'd be Progresso, honestly. You're the first so. person I've ever heard say that in nine years of doing this show. Really? Yeah. I'll tell you, actually, how much I loved it is I've actually gone, come back, and I've discovered that there is a direct flight out of Houston, Texas, once a week that goes to Merida. Oh. And so I, I told my wife, I said, you know what? It almost, I would almost like to go down there just to fly to Merida for a few days and let, uh, you know, let um, Pepe or, and let the tour company show us around. Because it was just, I, it felt very real. And, you know, I'm not so freaked out by the realness, and I, I felt very safe even, you know, and that's what I heard a lot of people say, is they just didn't feel, I never felt unsafe. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the people that we spoke with were, were very nice, and I don't know, I, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it, and that's like you had an awesome time there, too. So let's talk about debarkation. Your, your ship gets back to New Orleans. It's time to dis- disembark. How was that for you and the family? It was actually a little confusing for us, again, being first time. We weren't sure exactly how it was going to work. We had too much luggage to carry off ourselves, so we'd put that out the night before, and we'd actually felt like we kept a little too much because we had to carry it out on the next morning. But having faster to the fun, you know, the information said that we would be getting off at about 8.30, but we went to the debarkation seminar, and, you know, and the cruise director, bless her heart, she, they work hard. I, um, I, she did so many things, but, you know, she, one thing she said there is, we'll make announcements, you'll know what's going on. Well, the announcements were playing in the hall, and so by the time we heard the announcements going on and opened our door, we missed them. And so we never were really sure when we were supposed to go, and so finally at about 8.30, you know, we went ahead and went to the the dining room. We were in London Lower, and um, that's where we were supposed to meet. And we didn't know if, if we had already missed our debarkation and we were going to be going with another group because they were already calling for other decks to go and, you know, to start departing. But anyway, sure enough, I guess we were where we were supposed to be because at about 8.45, I would say, they started letting us off of the off of the boat and and we must have been among the first group to have gotten off because you know there just weren't there was not very many people in line i mean and so i guess the process was pretty smooth we went to the the dining room at about 8 15 or 8 20 my wife ran up and got some breakfast from lido some cereal and brought it down we ate it and 8 45 we were getting off and 9 15 we were in our van headed back into new orleans to finish out our out our trip. I'm curious, as first-time cruisers, was there any kind of um, 
like intimidation or anything for that that you may have had before you went through customs and oh my gosh, what do we do when we get off the ship and all that? Not really. You know, mm. you have to fill out the sheet. Yeah. And they ask you if you were bringing any food. And I thought, well, how are you supposed to mark this? Because in Cozumel, we did buy some of those rum cakes, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, that's food. So if I say yes, does that mean they're going to hold us up to search? And and so, anyway, but I marked it. And when we got there, she took our paper and she looked at it and she said, "Do you and you have some food?" And I said, "Yeah, we have some rum cakes." And she said, oh, "Okay." passed us on through. So I, I don't know that I was necessarily intimidated, but I wondered if marking yes on that one was going to slow us down or cause us any problems, but it oh. didn't. I know you stayed in New Orleans for a couple of days after your cruise. Do you have any excursion ideas or money-saving tips if you find yourself staying in New Orleans? We walked a lot. Um, we were actually going to ride the trolley. We actually had sp- planned to stay in New Orleans for two or three days, and we actually had I'm a pastor and not only a teacher, but also a Southern Baptist minister, and we had a death in my church. And so we actually ended up leaving on that night at about 8 o'clock. But we had actually gotten out of the boat so quickly that we'd spent the entire morning and the afternoon and into the evening in New Orleans. You know, I had two goals. I wanted to have beignets at Cafe Du Monde, and I wanted to have a po' boy somewhere. And we got to do both of those things as well as get pralines. And so you know what? We were all right with not spending the next two days in New Orleans. We felt like we got a taste, and hey, maybe we'll go back again someday. Very cool. Well, in closing, what are your final thoughts of Carnival Triumph? My final thoughts, if you're a new cruiser, just do as much research as you can. But I guess my final thoughts, or if there was a suggestion maybe that I would make, is I would do my time dining. As much as we enjoyed our wait staff every night, I wish we had had more freedom in our dining but I guess that would be my suggestion. But, hey, have a great time. Don't be leery of going over spring break. You know, we were thought, are we getting on a party cruise? And you know what, Doug? It was a party cruise, I guess. <laughs> you know, there were people on there that if I, I – I probably saw them 20 times during the cruise, and every time they had a drink in their hand. Sure. You know what? <laughs> it didn't affect me. Yeah. Um, and our family, we just found our deck chairs, and my kids swam in the pools, and we had our guys' burgers and our soda pops, and – and you know what? We had a good time. And so uh, we would go back. As a matter of fact, we're trying to decide next March, will we go back to Disney or do we want to look for another ship? So, hey, we're excited. Big decision to make there. Yeah. <laughs> We've been talking with Keith about his latest trip on Carnival Triumph. Keith, welcome home. And thanks for sharing your review with us, buddy. Hey, thank you, Doug. Thanks for having me. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at CruiseRadio.net.
For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.